Now for a quick look at uh, Roman philosophy and Hellenistic philosophy. In particular, the two schools, Stoicism and Epicureanism. The two main philosophic perspectives at Rome, and Stoicism and Epicureanism, were roughly contemporary, coming from Greek sources. And both came to an end about the same time, roughly 300 AD, pushed out by Christianity. The Greek philosophic schools continued in Athens until 529, when Justinian closed the four main schools. The dominant theme of these philosophical schools in Rome was the quest for a good life. In part, this is a response to the very troubled and unstable life which sweeps across the Mediterranean world after the fall of Alexander the Great, and is especially appropriate in Rome in the last stages of the dying republic. The Stoics sought to obtain the good life by making our lives harmonize with nature. The secret of a good life lies in understanding the order of the cosmos and making our life accord with that order as well. The good life could be found by seeing God at work in the order of things and events, in accepting what must be because of nature, and not striving against it. In contrast, however, we must also see what lies in our power. The physics uh, upon which Stoicism was built go back to a pre-Socratic thinker, Heraclitus. Heraclitus argued that the world was a transformation of one element, fire, this elemental fire becomes equated with Zeus, with reason, logos, which organizes the world, with destiny, with fate, with the laws of nature. This is known as monism. God and the world are one, without distinction. Fragment B50 of Heraclitus. Listening not to me, but to the logos, it is wise to agree that all is one or be one. Although the things happen in accordance with this Logos, men seem like people with no acquaintance with it. All things are a manifestation of the One. The Logos, God, Zeus, Fire, these are all names for the same thing. A divine principle, the unity of everything. There is a law which governs everything, all nature, including us. Our task is to learn this Logos, to understand the order of nature, God, or, or whatever you wish to call it, that does and does not agree to be called Zeus. All change in the world is change imminent in God, and the laws of nature never vary. God is eternal, and so events do not happen in time, but time is an aspect of things. The world moves in a great cycle of creation and destruction, but not in any linear direction as we might think of it. In short, we have an eternal recurrence. The world, taken as a whole, is a vast, rational animal held together by tensions. The individuals which make up this world are four in kind. The lowest are things like rocks with little tension. Next, plants, then animals, finally humans, which most clearly, closely approximate the universe in the combination of physical nature and reason. There are only two things with reason, men and gods. Divine reason is the spark of creation. The Stoics argued as well that God must exist because we all have an innate disposition to believe in God. All societies believe in God, and this must indicate something about our dis disposition as humans. 
To ignore our dispositions is to abuse our reason. To use reason is to understand God. The Stoics used the argument from design, as did Socrates, to support their position that the divine exists. The Stoics also deeply believed in divine providence. The Logos, God, nature, whatever is looking after us, caring for us, although they rejected temples and sacrifices as possible means of influencing the divine level. They identified the Olympian gods with natural phenomena, which are manifestations of the one. One Stoic idea that is both difficult and influential is that of pneuma, or breath. The idea of matter and the four elements of Empedocles were added to the Heraclitian idea of fire. There is only one element, in a sense, that, that is fire, but fire can become hot, cold, dry, and moist. In these forms, it becomes the elements, earth, air, fire, and water. When fire and air come together, they form pneuma. These are active against the passive earth, and water. Pneuma holds the world together by permeating everything. Pneuma gives order and unity to everything, and so, in living things, it is the soul. But it, it is also the order which makes a stone what it is. It holds the elements of whatever it is where they ought to be, through attention. It's an obscure point, but this goes back to Heraclitus in his fragment B51. The Stoics think that all bodies, their movements, their properties, everything about them, are the manifestations of this divine, all-pervading substance called pneuma, which goes back to fire, God, nature, logos, whatever you want to call it. The idea of pneuma, in some sense, was retained by thinkers as, as ether and until perhaps the 1880s or so. The Stokes would agree completely with the recent science, which sees all matter as merely a form of energy. Everything from the largest galaxy to the smallest bit is just energy in some form, or as they would say, pneuma in some form. Now, Stoke ethics live according to the constancy and the benevolence of the universe become free and tranquil as God himself. Unlike his uh, Epicurean counterpart, the Stoic had to serve and help others. He had to respect the creative fire within each person, including slaves. The Stoic had a duty to promote the creation of a cosmopolis, a city which was the image of divine order, a rationally ordered physical world. Nature connects and determines all things. The Stoics, for the first time, explicitly maintain a theory of absolute determinism for the world. Everything that happens here are the conditions which make what happened necessary. Nothing else could have happened. Chance is simply and only a name for causes which are undiscovered. This would be called hard determinism. We are free only in that we can see the determinations which we are a part of, and act according to them. We must act in whatever way we do, 
but by understanding the causes which determine us, we can be free, like Spinoza. That thing is said to be free which exists by the mere necessity of its own nature and is determined in its actions by itself alone. That's Ethics Part 1 Definition, VII. All of this is related to human action and morality. It seems as though determinism has removed all human responsibility for actions, but there is a sense in which we or things are still responsible. Crispus gave an example of a drum rolling down a hill. There are two factors at play. One is internal, one external. To explain the rolling of the drum, one needs to refer to the external factor, who or what pushed it to get it moving, but one also needs to think of the internal nature of the drum, its shape. If the drum were square, it would not roll no matter how much one pushed. For, for ethics, then, the world acts upon us, and then we react according to our nature. Every event must have a cause. This is, of course, tied up with panuma, logos, nature, and God. Spinoza would agree, too. They maintained that this was the best of all possible worlds. The Epicureans countered that evil in the world indicated that it was not perfect, and that it was not the best possible world. The Stoics replied that the imperfection of particulars is necessary for us to see the general perfection of the whole. Well, Lucretius takes Roman philosophy in a radically different direction. Lucretius and Epicureanism will be the topic of the next podcast. 